Hello and welcome back to First Peoples Lawcast, a podcast on the defense of Indigenous rights. As part of our commitment to supporting the development of Indigenous lawyers, First Peoples Law offers an annual scholarship in the amount of $5,000 to an Indigenous law student with a demonstrated interest in serving and advancing the interests of Indigenous peoples. Today, we are joined by Taryn Hamilton, the second annual recipient of the scholarship. In the following episode, First Peoples Law articled student Charlotte Rose joins Taryn for a conversation on Indigenous rights, law, legal education, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to First Peoples Lawcast. Charlotte Rose, Lisa Hathni, my UKO with Dananato. Hello, everyone. My name is Charlotte Rose. I am Stalo on my father's side, who hailed from Samath territory, or also known as Sumas First Nation in the Fraser Valley. On my mother's side, I am a Dakatseke belonging to my UKO, which is my maternal home and traditional customary group within North Central BC. I am an articling student here at First Peoples Law and humbled to speak to another Indigenous sister who is also journeying through the life of law. Welcome, Taryn. Please tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Tanse Nidoma Taryn, Nido Esqueo, Kisi Pagamak Oche. Hello, my name is Taryn Hamilton. I'm Woodland Cree from Broche, Manitoba. I'm a second year law student enrolled in University of Victoria's Joint Degree Program in Canadian Common Law and Indigenous Legal Orders. Thank you for welcoming welcoming me to First People's Lawcast. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a part of the conversation today. Awesome. Taryn, what an exciting time for you. You are now freshly starting your second year of the Joint Law Degree Program, as you said, in both Canadian Common Law and the Indigenous Legal Orders at UVic. What drew you to law school and what has your experience been thus far? I was drawn to law school while I was studying criminal justice at Mount Royal University. And through the process of learning and witnessing the injustices that Indigenous peoples and communities face, I felt called to take action. I feel as if, as if I have an, an obligation to my nation and my people to take action when I see harm being done to another person. And with that, I have an obligation to speak out against these injustices and be an advocate for our people. You know, law school has been a fun, exciting, and stressful experience. Law school will test you, stress you out, but I think the work is so rewarding. I think what really makes the experience worthwhile is all the lovely people that you get to meet and the people and the experiences is what makes it all worth it. That's amazing, Taryn. And, you know, your words of having that natural sort of advocacy for Indigenous people. I know that I can speak to that. And I think that it's it is it's a part of who we are. And our people have been advocating for, you know, since time immemorial. And in terms of school and the changing, you know, as we know, the pandemic has really taken taken over our lives. So how has that changed the aspects of your life through law school? Because I know that law school is not an exception for this pandemic. So how has COVID impacted law school for you? Yeah, so law school this year um, is completely different from last year. All of our course instruction was moved to online learning and our lectures are administered through Zoom. Sometimes I enjoy not having to get ready to go to school, so it's relaxing in that aspect. But at other times, it could be a struggle, especially trying to keep yourself focused and motivated to do your schoolwork. (laughs) 
Um, and then online school can also be really isolating at times. So I really miss seeing my classmates every week. But, you know, we're all strong and resilient, so we're making it work. And I think it's very important to stay connected with your support team during times like this. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's really fortunate that you are able to be with your parents because I know that, you know, this pandemic has hit us at all sorts of fronts. So I think family is definitely important in the process of that. Shifting gears a little bit, I know um, in our previous episode, the other Indigenous recipients spoke about their experiences in law school and what they would have wished someone would have told them before they, w- before they entered into law school. So what would you have hoped or wished you would have known before starting? Or better yet, is there any words of wisdom for our young Indigenous listeners that you'd like to bestow before they enter law school? Yeah, um, so to any Indigenous listeners who are thinking of entering law school, go for it, do it, you're completely capable. Not only that, but you are absolutely necessary. I'm not going to lie and say that law school is easy. The work is one thing. If you put your mind to it, you can absolutely achieve that goal. But, you know, being an Indigenous person in a colonial institution and learning colonial laws that more often than not negatively affect Indigenous people, there's an internal battle that many Indigenous students face. And the environment and work at times, it can be emotionally and mentally draining. But I think that our knowledge and our lived experiences are extremely valuable in law school and in the legal profession. Like the knowledge that we hold is invaluable and there's a lot of things that other people can learn from you. So if you're thinking about going into law, do it. I have faith in you and we need more people like you in law school and in the field. I'm proud to be born into the Cree Nation. To be born Nihiao is to be born into the the land, the culture, and the language of the people, as well as our responsibilities and obligations. And, you know, I came to law school because I feel like it is my responsibility to revitalize and practice the laws and structures and rights of my ancestors. Uh, So I would like to share a story and a teaching that motivates me to continue on my journey. And this is the story of when Creator was planning to create human beings. So um, in the time before there were human beings on Earth, the Creator called a great meeting of the animal people. During that period of the world's history, the animal people lived harmlessly with one another and could speak to the Creator with one mind. They were very curious about the reason for the gathering. And when they assembled together, the Creator spoke. I am sending a strange new creature to love among you, he he told the animal people. He is to be called man, and he is to be your brother. But unlike you, he will have no fur on his body, will walk on two legs, and will not be able to speak with you. Because of this, he will need your help in order to survive and become who I am creating him to be. You will need to be more than brothers and sisters. You need to be his teachers. Man will not be like you. He will not come into the world like you. He will not be born knowing and understanding who and what he is. He will have have to search for that. And it is in this search he will find himself. He will also have a tremendous gift that you do not have. He will have the ability to dream. With this ability, he will be able to invent great things. And because of this, he will move further and further away from you. And will need your help even more when this happens. 
but to help him, I'm going to send him out into the world with one very special gift. I'm going to give him the gift of truth and justice. But like his identity, it must be a search, because if he finds this knowledge too easily, he will take it for granted. So I'm going to hide it, and I need your help to find a good hiding place. This is why I've called you here. A great murmur ran through the crowd of animal people. They were excited at the prospect of welcoming a new creature into the world, and they were honored by the creator's request for their help. This was truly an important day. One by one, the animal people came forward with suggestions of where creator should hide the gift of truth and truth and justice. Give it to me, my creator, said the buffalo, and I will carry it on my hump to the very center of the plains and bury it there. A good idea, my brother, the creator said, but it is destined that man should cover most of the world and he would find it there too easily and take it for granted. Then give it to me, said the salmon, and I will carry it in my mouth to the deepest part of the ocean and I will hide it there. Another excellent idea, said the creator, but it is destined that with his power to dream, man will invent a device that will carry him there and he will find it too easily and take it for granted. Then I will take it, said the eagle, and carry it in my talons and fly to the very face of the moon and hide it there. No, my brother, said the creator, even there he would find it too easily because man will travel, will one day travel there as well. Animal after animal came forward with mar marvelous suggestions on where to hide this precious gift, and one by one, creator turned down their ideas. Finally, when discouragement was about to invade their circle, a tiny voice spoke from, back, from the back of the gathering. The animal people were all surprised to find that the voice belonged to the mole. The mole was a small creature who spent his life tunneling through the earth and because of this lost most of, his, most of the use of his eyes. Yet because he was in touch with Mother Earth, the mole had developed true spiritual insight. The animal pe people listened respectfully when mole began to speak. I know where to hide it, my creator, he said. I know where to hide the gift of knowledge of truth and justice. Where then, my brother, asked the creator, where should I hide this gift? Put it inside them, said the mole. Put it inside them because then only the wisest and the purest of heart will have the courage to look there. And that is where Creator placed the gift of the knowledge of truth and justice. That's beautiful, Taryn. Honestly, it gave me shivers. It's, it's, it, 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 it's that, you know, like it's when you go through law school, it is tough. And you really have to look upon the tellings and these stories and, and upon yourself and, you know, move through these and move through those hard times and remind yourself of what you're doing and ground yourself to be able to not to only survive, but to thrive in a law school environment by, you know, exercising our Indigenous laws through these stories. So I appreciate you telling me that. Tabe Masi, thank you for sharing that, that beautiful story. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just the one story that keeps me going and really gives me hope and motivation to continue this work. So as we know, you are a proud member of Bar the Barron's Land First Nation in Manitoba. How has your community impacted your law school, your law school journey? And I know you, you, you so lovingly shared a teaching, but is there any other community teachings that have guided you in how you move, how you've been able to move through law school or continue to move through law school? Sure. I've always been taught to uh, celebrate the success and achievement of others. 
And on my journey, I've met so many incredible Indigenous people who are really flourishing and overcoming so many challenges um, that they face throughout their lives while also, you know, setting these amazing goals and just accomplishing them. And when I see Indigenous people and our youth succeeding, I just feel such a great sense of pride and admiration. Um, I'm just so proud of all the amazing things that we have accomplished in the face of oppression. And we have so much resilience and we are really in this fight together. So with that in mind, I think it's very important that we continue to uplift each other and take good care of each other. And once we have the support of, we support everyone's dreams, we can really carry out our life's purpose here. That's beautiful, Taryn. And I know for myself too, resiliency and in my community has definitely been a factor throughout my law school journey as well. Taryn, you did mention that prior to entering law school, you obtained a criminal justice degree and wrote a thesis on a research thesis on healing lodges. How has this assisted you in your law school experience? And has this area drawn you in towards criminal law because of your undergrad education? Yeah, so um, I'm a I'm an advocate for alternative responses to crime. Like specifically, I find great value in restorative justice measure, measures. Um, I'm also an advocate for the revitalization of Indigenous laws to aid in and you know revolutionize the way that we respond to crime. And um, so my research thesis from my criminal justice degree was around healing lodges and, you know, healing lodges are culturally appropriate services to offenders that incorporates Indigenous cultures, um, beliefs and traditions. And the main goal is to address the factors that led to their incarceration um, prior to the crime and prepare them for reintegration into society. And um, I think we all know that the criminal justice system continues to play, um, you know, an important role in upholding colonialism. And um, we've seen how, we've seen the system, we witness how the system has failed Indigenous peoples. And a lot of people are not aware that we have our own legal systems to respond to the various issues that our communities face. So I really believe in the value of empowering our Indigenous nations to reclaim their legal processes and rebuild them in accordance with their nation's specific laws. Um, you know, I've always had an interest in criminal law, but I'm still really exploring my options. I haven't made a set decision on which area of law I would like to practice. I just know that I want to work, work with and advocate for Indigenous nations. Right on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, sister. I'm definitely all for standing up our Indigenous legal systems and providing as much space in which we can not revive, but uphold and stand up those systems that are that we know that are there, right? Also thinking about in our second episode, there was two of our of the other law students that I interviewed, and they mentioned that law school is one factor in changing the current relationship between Indigenous peoples and the Canadian and Canadian legal orders. What's your thoughts on this matter? And what are sources of change that come to mind for you? 
Yeah, so um, the law is a colonial tool that continues to impress Indigenous peoples, families, and nations. Um, you know, this is like a battle that we can't conquer alone. I am in the opinion that, you know, non-Indigenous people must begin supporting and encouraging Indigenous laws and teachings. Um, you know, we, we have to have the support of non-Indigenous Canadians in this fight, and we need um, non-Indigenous people upholding space for our traditional knowledge and, you know, intervene in colonial narratives, policies, and laws. Um, you know, we have to work collectively towards dismantling um, the oppressive systems, which have been on pose, imposed on Indigenous people through colonization. And, um, you know, it's my belief that we have to work together and begin decolonizing all these various systems that are oppressing our people. And to do this and to work together, it will lead to a path of um, Indigenous self-determination, sovereignty, freedom, liberation, you know, not only for Indigenous people, but all Canadians. Yeah, I totally agree. And and not to put a plug on on something that I've, I've been reading, but I was reading the other day, um, My Body is Not an Apology, and she talks about that, how to always be focused on changing the legal system is perhaps one way, but we definitely need to create change in the hearts and minds of non-Indigenous Canadians as well. So doing that hard work and really for the individual to to continue doing that hard work in terms of being a non-Indigenous person and, and that allyship and taking it upon themselves to work towards reconciliation and also be aware of the ways in which things yeah, just play out on the ground and the ways those oppressive states that Indigenous peoples face every single day. And as you said, too, I agree with that change comes from many, ang many angles, particularly the non-Indigenous or settler Canadians, as I said, within Canada, and understanding that the Indigenous-Canadian legal relationship is a vital, a vital one that reverberates into the success of all Canadians. I think of Jody Wilson-Raybould and, and how she talks about that in her most recent book. Yeah, so my next question is, what comes to mind for you when it comes to other issues that are happening within the midst of COVID? Because I know for me, when I went to law school, there was a lot that was happening within politics, within our social lives as Indigenous people. So there's always usually something that's, that's coming or happening, I should say like the Desital case about hunting within Canadian jurisdiction. I know most recently with the Black Lives Matter movement and also drawing importance of, of BIPOC voices and equality. So how have you experienced these live matters as you go through law school? Yeah, um, from, you know, from, from coast to coast, it's clear that Indigenous rights and sovereignty or under attack and there's there's many ongoing actions happening in Canada just you know this year this past year um, my first my first year of law school we've witnessed um, what was going on in uh, Wet'suwet'en you know they're fighting to protect their waters their lands the Shwebek are fighting to preserve their unceded lands and waterways um, the Haudenosaunee are fighting to stop developments in their territories uh, what was going on at the the Mi'kmaq fishermen and, you know, them asserting their treaty rights. And even the Anishinaabe um, having calls for a moratorium on moose hunting, you know, like we, this this is a fight that is 
continuous and you know we we are sovereign peoples and when we see such injustices you know we're we're called to stand together in solidarity with our, our brothers and sisters from all different nations you know i stand in support and solidarity with those who are defending our rights and against colonial oppression and protecting our lands and territories you know and i i feel as if like when we witness such actions um it's really important that we stand together and support these groups um for their fights for justice but not even that just like supporting each other you know like um i've had a um my classmates you know we like we were involved in many actions and it's it's very very tiring on you mentally physically you're drained you feel you know the it's the fight that that we're going through and it's so sad you know we we need to see the support from non-indigenous people just because it's so sad the complacency of you know the government the RCMP and you know they allow for this violence to to continue and occur and you know it's making it pretty clear that they're complicit to the the ongoing violence that indigenous people are experiencing today and you know I feel like we're in a time in history where you know are we're standing up we're saying enough is enough however you know, we we still need that support of non-Indigenous Canadians and ally, If you know, it's a verb. So if you consider yourself an ally, it's really time to step up and stand in support of the Indigenous nations who are fighting for their rights and livelihood for, you know, our next seven generations, but not only ours, but yours as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think about, I had the the opportunity to attend the Indigenous Bar Association conference within the last couple of months. And they talked about that and just how, how unique our experience through law school is. Like you said, we have that obligation, but at the same time, our Indigenous uh, lived experience is that that obligation does not dissipate or is not is not somehow does not vanish because we're in law school and that you know like it's an ongoing maintenance that we have to do and that these these issues are constantly happening but at the same time like you said we need those those non-indigenous allies to be able to create the space in which we can be we can be successful may that be perhaps in an articling situation to be able to build each other up right and create that space like we just talked about before and when one succeeds we we all succeed so I really see how those those parallel in in the sense of our lived experience and the ways in which we can move forward and um, and be successful based on our own terms and also honoring our laws and our people, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Beyond the pursuits of law, um, what do you like to do for fun, and what grounds you as you move through through law school? So I would say my family and my friends is what keeps me grounded through law school. Um, you know, I'm a very social person, so I really love spending time with people, you know, laughing, sharing stories. I like to explore my creativity through beading, journaling, and drawing, and, you know, anything that involves outdoors. I love spending my time outdoors, you know, going to the beach, and I love spending time with my family and going home to go hunting and fishing and just spending time out on the land. Yeah, and I've I've also been getting into meditating, which has been extremely helpful in regulating my stress through law school. So that's new for me. Yeah, and honestly, girl, I just learned about that too. And I'm definitely 
on board with that and just like self-awareness meditation it works it's crazy totally it does it's amazing (laughs) yeah oh that's good (laughs) um yeah and just thinking about you know all the various and wonderful things that you've shared and is there anything else that you want to that you want to share with our viewers that you haven't yet covered no, I just, I would like to thank you uh, for welcoming, welcoming me to this um, episode of the First People's Logcast. And I would also like to send my sincere gratitude and appreciation for all of the folks at First People's Law. So, Nenas Kumitin, thank you so much. Awesome, Taryn. Tabemasi for for sharing this space with me today. I know I am so proud of you as an Indigenous, as as an Indigenous sister, that you are going to school and you're making me proud, you're making your people proud, and I really appreciate sharing this this space with you today. And thank you to our listeners. And yeah, thank you for joining us here on First People's Lawcast. Awetza. You've been listening to Taryn Hamilton, the second annual recipient of First People's Law's Indigenous Law Student Scholarship in conversation with Charlotte Rose, articled student at First Peoples Law. For your latest news and analysis of Indigenous rights and law, sign up for our weekly Aboriginal law report on our website at firstpeopleslaw.com. First Peoples Law is a law firm dedicated to defending and advancing the rights of Indigenous peoples in Canada. We work closely with First Nations to defend their Aboriginal title, rights, and treaty rights, uphold their Indigenous laws and governance, and ensure economic prosperity for their members. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at First People's Law. Thanks for listening.